Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. They're followers, that's all you need. I've clicked the live <laughs> button, just so you know. My usual warning is it goes live. It's, it's set to private, so I don't think anyone can find it. But, you know, it's the internet, so I like to give everyone a warning. If they do, <laughs> this is this is not pretty Lauren face. This is just no makeup face. Hi, everybody. I have <laughs> infiltrated Dynasty Crossroads. You are right. welcome. Sorry, no, not sorry. I think there's like one guy who occasionally finds it. But yeah, hey, 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 you one guy. I don't even know who it is, but occasionally they'll leave comments. I'm like, why are you, why are you watching? But um, <laughs> you know, we appreciate them. I like the comments. Uh, I hate this part. This is where I have to do an introduction and pretend like I'm not a professional what would the word be a professional podcaster that doesn't sound right you sound like a professional podcaster Ooh, that's i'm not sure how i feel is that an insult i don't know that's what i'm wondering <laughs> um like is that good all right let me start you want me to start no i got an introduction i gotta do but if you want to do one go for it i'll include it well dynasty crossroads my name is lauren i'm here to take over the world i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> I am totally kidding. That's all I got. I like no fantasy problem. football. I'm sure everyone else listening to this loves fantasy football too. Hi, you can follow me, Stepmom Lauren. That's better than mine. Um, I will not judge you on how you produce your podcast. <laughs> Other things, yes. How you do your podcast, no. I look forward to being judged, to be honest. <laughs> but um, no, it's about time. I've been sitting here waiting for someone to see. I miss Jake so badly because um, he will honestly criticize me and own me and um, like push back. Whereas most people are so fucking reasonable. It's <laughs> it's sickening, to be honest. It's like, I'm not I'm not here to agree with you, man. There's no point <laughs> if we're sitting here like always. 
like I don't mind if we agree, obviously, but like it's okay to say are, that's wrong. Like, just call me wrong. It's fine. Hello, welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm normally joined by my co-host Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter, but he is away doing things and hasn't been able to make it for the last few weeks. And we're going to keep holding down the crossroads in his absence until someone can finally come back and admit that tape is inferior to analytics. Not really, but um, we normally enjoy a 30-minute podcast where we argue about one player at a time. But while he's away. I'm I'm micing it up. The mice are playing, running amok, and just inviting who I think are interesting people on to talk about pretty much whatever they want until Jake gets back and restores some order. So this week, um, I asked uh, Stepmon Lauren on Twitter, at Stepmon Lauren, to come on. She's from the Fantasy Footballers. She's a writer over there, and she's been doing some really interesting things. Lauren, I was trying to remember what it was that you tweeted out that made me think, hey, there's a there's a smart person I want to talk to, and I can't remember what the hell it is. Can you remember what got us talking? I don't remember what got us talking, but why do you lie to the masses? Jake Anderson isn't here because I killed him. He's dead. I am now here officially forever. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I really don't I remember what I tweeted. I'm sure it was something ridiculous. I mostly lied to, um, you know, avoid the murder investigation. Uh, but, you know, that's cool. Let's bring him on. I'll, I'll take the heat. Time. I'll take the heat. It was my bad. It was my bad. He's buried under the rose garden. Don't mind the beautiful blooms that will happen in about six months. <laughs> right. Um, so the FF um, footballers, but you also have done some stuff with uh, fake pigskin as well, right? That's yes, the... I have. I have. That's actually how I first got my start was with pig, uh, fake pigskin. Um, I just got this wild hair up my butt, and I was like, you know what? It was an Arizona Cardinals game against, I can't remember who, but everyone had this whole kerfuffle about David Johnson. Like, do I start David Johnson? Do I not? And then I just decided to break down the whole game. I happened to send it out to my fantasy football league that I'm in with Adam Rank from NFL Fantasy Live, the NFL Network. And one of the guys on there happens to be Kyle Robert. What's up, Kyle? How you doing? And he runs the podcast for Fake Pigskin. He's like, hey, would you mind if we put this on our website? I'm like, are you serious? This is garbage. He's like, no, it's really good. We like it. We'll put it on there. So for a year, I did a Thursday night breakdown for Fake Pigskin. Ended up uh, taking that to where I am right now with the fantasy footballers. I am now a research writer analyst for them. I get paid for this. You'd never guess it. You'd never, ever guess it. But I do. Don't argue with me, Peter. Be quiet. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we're settled on that. Next question. No, I was I was just going to tell everyone. Um, you said you're mostly redraft focused, which I think can bring some interesting crossover between me being mostly dynasty. So I thought that'd be interesting, especially when talking about Melvin Gordon and the recent news that he might Ugh. or he's talking about holding out. But I was just looking over your timeline, desperately trying to remember what it was, and it may have been Keelan Cole love because I don't find many many people sharing the Keelan Cole uh, versus D.D. Uh, Westbrook. Yes, I kind of love. I think we we might head over there as well. Just ju just a heads up there. Being more redraft focus, uh, and you say you like you seem to have strong fear about talking about dynasty at all. Like you've mentioned several times, I you know, don't want to sound dynasty. like an absolute moron because I'll tell you what, folks, I don't know the ins and outs of dynasty. I have been redraft focus focused. I've been redraft focused. There you go. 
I've been redraft focused since the beginning. So I'm not going to sit here and BS y'all being like, oh, yeah, well, he's really good at Dynasty and like not even know what I'm talking about. But you know what, Peter? Maybe you can educate me and I can start right now and like learn the love of, of Dynasty. No, I, I was going to ask why you think Dynasty is different. Why, why would you worry you don't know about Dynasty if you're if you know about redraft? That's a really good question, and I'm glad you bring that up because there have been some names of rookies that come in and then get literally drafted, not fantasy football drafted, but get right, drafted right. by teams, and then suddenly it's like, oh, I love him in Dynasty. I'm like, why do you love him in Dynasty? He's not going to do anything, like, at all. I or think, at least I think that's synonyms so what? I want. I think we have so many um, – sorry uh, synonyms for I want my name attached to this player in case he breaks out but I don't want to actually say he's going to break out just in case he doesn't like I think that's what it means I love him in dynasty means I don't have the guts to say I like this player (gasps) Uh, I really think so like um, I found myself doing it like I don't like him right now but I like him in dynasty and that essentially means I don't think he's going to do anything but just in case he does something I want to say I like him right now Okay, so I, I can, can play. So so let me let me try this out. I can say I like Nicole Hardman in Dynasty. There you go. I don't know about redraft. There you go. Like You're basically there. a professional dynasty player. Am I dynasty? That's, Did I do it? You've like, dynasty right? it up. That's yes. And um, do yes. you like Nicole Hardman in any way? If if Tyreek Hill like well, for if, well, if Tyreek Hill were not in the picture, Miko Hardman mini 2.0 might have a shot might so it'd be worth a look super duper duper late or picking up off the wire but nah I I don't I don't know I am one of the okay so I'm from St. Louis Missouri and if anyone knows anything about Missouri it is called the show me state for a reason you have to prove to me why you deserve what you have or what you want or what it is that you're getting I need to have facts and data especially when it comes for rookies in college moving into the NFL. I don't have any data on you. I don't like that. So unless it's someone like Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, where that's semi-obvious, I don't like it. I don't trust it. No bueno. So no, would I look at Miko Hardman? No. Would I judge someone for looking at him? Eh. If Tyreek Hill were not in the picture, I would understand it more. But since it looks like he's still going to be a part of this offense as of now, I believe, unless I'm totally crazy, I meh. Mini Tyreek Hill is going to have to wait. But he's good in Dynasty. Just hang on to him. He might be worth a trade value. Did I get that right? Yeah, it sounds perfect. Excellent. Um, I I don't like one of the, I think one of the differences with redraft and well clearly you're wrong you're it might on. be that we are obsessives about deep research into things that are not predictive and then insisting that you know we can predict them because we've got nothing else to do when thinking long term it's like <laughs> anyone who breaks out in the NFL to be fantasy significant is kind of rare like we don't get many players that are getting drafted or undrafted that then eventually become feature members or your fantasy team it just doesn't happen often but every year we have to get excited about rookies and so we invest a lot of time researching into who has broken out before and even though there are too few of them to really draw uh, conclusions we have to draw some conclusions because we need to know who to draft in rookie dress now it's like it's like that shiny new toy everybody likes that like shiny pretty new toy until you realize you don't really know how to operate it and then it's like kind of malfunction so that you just really want to be so excited because you've watched them in college, maybe, or there's no football whatsoever ever 
in the off season. So the draft is the most exciting thing ever. She's like, oh my God, I'm totally high on that dude. Oh my God, I'm totally high on that dude too, because there's nothing else to do. So yeah, that's a big part of it, right? Um, But there are some things that I can say pretty confidently. Like I'm fairly big on saying that tight ends don't break out early. Like a lot of people were like, we're both in Scott Fishball 9, which we're not going to talk about a lot because most people aren't. And I've done my Scott Fishball episode and I kind of don't want to bore anyone who's not in it to tears. But, but I loved it, by the way. I loved that episode, by the way. Just saying. Thank you very much. I love your team, too. You did a great job. But one oh, of the things I noticed is you didn't, you didn't draft rookie tight ends over, like, Mike Gusecki. And, you know, that's a big that's a big thing. I'm seeing, especially in Dynasty, like you say, we want to love those dudes. We get excited all last season. And then, um, you know, we draft them in the Scott Fishbowl, even though the chances that they're actually going to do anything their first year are, like, zip. Non, nada. It's it, it's it's Evan Ingram and a bunch of no, and um <laughs> so someone that I noticed, I was saying this about last year was Mike Gasecki, and he's now being drafted in a draft we're both in that shall no longer be named. Then no offense, and Hawkinson. Is it again, Adam is like, like the Voldemort like, League? Is that what we're right, going to call it? Uh, that's right. It's okay. The Voldemort League. Okay. Um, that's for charity, and we should really mention it. But who cares? That's um, true. Oh my God, we're terrible people. So last year, everyone was excited about Mike Gesicki because he's this young, athletic uh, dude with lots of receiving production in college, coming into an offense with not much of that, especially after they got rid of Jarvis Landry. And um, rookie tight ends simply don't produce, and so I didn't think he was worth drafting that year because normally their value drops after they don't produce. Um, and this year, it's happened even in the draft that we now share. Like, Fant and Hawkinson are now being drafted over Mike Gesicki. Right. I still don't think Gesicki's going to do anything this year because it normally takes three, four years or until they hit about age 26 from, you know, past examples of who've hit. That tends to be the trend. But still, a guy that still holds all those qualities from last year, a year, for, a year into his career, I think is actually more likely to do something because he's just a year in. He's had a year of learning. Um, and Fanton and Hawkinson haven't. Like, does that does Mike Gasecki start to come onto your radar this year because as a redraft person, because he's been in the league longer, or is he still completely off your radar because you're not paying that much attention to rookies? See, exactly. Um, two things to that. Um, a, yes, I'm not really paying much attention to rookies. B, <laughs> it is his second year. I totally get that, but he's still not on my radar. There are way better tight ends you can get later and super late that he's not even worth my time. Unless you are in a really deep league. Let's say you're in a 14. God forbid, don't ever put yourself in this position, but a 16-team league, don't ever do it. But if you are in that position, you do have to kind of dumpster dive for some people. Not that I'm saying that Kaseki is a dumpster, although I really kind of am just saying that. That's not really what I mean. Is that just because of, you know, how long he's... It's okay. Is that because of how long he's been in the league or because he hasn't done anything yet or... There's really been... There hasn't been any explosion for me. And that's only a personal thing. So that's how I like to view my tight ends because the tight end landscape is generally considered either elite or a dumpster fire. And when you're looking at tight ends that I, when I'm looking at tight ends, I want to take, I should say, I shouldn't put this into everybody else's mouths. Like they're saying it, but when I'm looking at, you can say, I think for you just deal with it. Go cry to your mama. If you don't like it, I'm just kidding. I am totally kidding, but no. So for me, I have way better choices, super late. One of them is my baby. I love Chris Herndon. He is going so late, but he is literally like a wide receiver too on the Jets. And again, well, he's suspended for the first like, time. Ex- so you can get him super late. 
Just saying. No, no, you're right. I, I, I really like Herndon. I like what he was able to earn in terms of targets in his first year. Yeah, Herndon, Herndon. What? Right? Missing his first four games suffers, but I'm, I'm I'm more interested in general. Like you said, you haven't seen any explosion really from either of them, but what with a redraft focus makes you more interested in a guy who hasn't done it yet if it's not, you know, what we were talking about with Gusecki? What, what is it that you try to look for to try and find a guy that hasn't always, been... A always, always is going to be opportunity. So I'm glad you brought that up because Chris Herndon started to have some flashes of like, hey, I have possibility. Hey, I've got this. So I drafted Chris Herndon in my league that shall not be named, also known as the Voldemort League. I drafted Chris Herndon. And then super late, I also got Quincy Inunua, who is the wide receiver too. So if I want to kind of play around with how those two roll, I'm going to do that. But the biggest thing for me is the addition of Adam Gase, who is the head coach of the Jets. I don't know how this differs from Dynasty to redraft. But for me, the addition of Adam Gase and how he can look at Sam Darnold and what he is capable of doing. Adam Gase is very good with positional players. He knows how to scheme an offense around what his quarterback can do based on the offensive weapons that he has. Unless your name is Kenyon Drake, then you're screwed and you have right. no life when it comes to Adam Gase, but that's no longer the case. So everything is fine. But that's why I really like Chris Herndon this year is because he has come out and said that both of them, Sam Darnold and Chris Herndon are athletic beasts. And it only will be a matter of time before they start gelling. And he is going to make an offense happen with that going on. I also am afraid for Le'Veon Bell for that reason because Adam Gase doesn't like Le'Veon Bell. And what does Adam Gase do to running backs he doesn't like? <coughs> Jay Ajayi, <coughs> Kenyon Drake, phased out. I really worry about that. Not that Le'Veon Bell can be phased out of any offense. He's freaking Le'Veon Bell. But if anyone's going to try to do it, it's going to be him. I just really sidetracked. Sorry about that. Rabbit no, that's bowl. Cool. Call that's, me that's kind of what. Call me Alice. It's fine. That's kind of the whole deal here. Get sidetracked and hopefully we learn something interesting. Apparently um, we're passionate about this. <laughs> it's looking at their opportunity, looking at their offense, looking at what's changed. I need a pen here to remember the things I remember when you're talking. Um, <laughs> like, uh, no, uh, you, like what, you don't know how uh, it is in Dynasty, but like I think we should drop. Like Seriously, if you don't play Dynasty, um, drop the whole notion that it's a different game. It's the exact same game, mostly if people make mistakes, it's mostly to overemphasize the difference, the differences between the two. Nice. So like, okay. uh, getting in here, the water's fine. Don't don't fear that you don't know. You probably oh, trust me. Know this, is gonna, this is going to be my next project. Is going to be like owning Dynasty, which apparently is not much different than Recap. <laughs> apparently, I already do. No, uh, what you said is you look for opportunity, and you went through a coaching narrative there, and you didn't know what Dynasty did with this. I don't think it's a difference between Dynasty and Redraft. I think there is a divide on whether you think coaching has a large effect or is something we can track through the offseason mm -hmm. if Adam Gase likes this guy or doesn't like this guy. Mostly I fall on the side that it doesn't matter as much, nearly as much as everyone fears. Like, I don't think Adam Gase can, like you said, really affect Le'Veon Bell. What I think coaches do, the effect that they have more than anything is deciding between how many times they run and how many times they pass. Right. I think that's what we can track. And that's what, if we track coach year to year on different teams, different offenses, they tend to have similar run pass splits, which also emphasizes the fact that most coaches suck at their job because they're not reading their <laughs> roster. 
they're implementing a system and that's just a terrible fucking way of doing it. I think it's about number of targets. I think after that, they, they can decide the split more, much more than they can start decide the volume. And this is one of the questions I sent to you on my impromptu sheet, which was the idea of where does volume come from? Where do you get mm -hmm. so many targets or so many rushing attempts? And I think that comes from player success. Like Adam Gase right. can try and tank Le'Veon Bell as hard as he wants. But if Le'Veon Bell is still Le'Veon Bell and continues to be successful, as he has been per attempt, receiving and rushing, then that'll increase the overall number of passing and rushing attempts the team gets because you get more first down through a player just being that successful per attempt. Right. And therefore, even if he's fading the split, there'll be more to split. There'll be a bigger pie. And so right. Le'Veon Bell's, what Le'Veon Bell gets to eat is bigger. So I do think it's it matters, but I think it's overemphasized because I don't think he can reduce his attempts if Le'Veon Bell can still be successful. Sorry to interrupt there. I just got overexcited, I guess. How dare you? We are no longer <laughs> friends. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm in love with you, Lauren. <laughs> Asshole. <He's> no that's okay um I, I think i just found the live version of my twitter self and seriously this is fantastic but, <laughs> I, I think running back talent exists but mathematically it's difficult to prove i think because of the way we run uh, the way um running is just treated in the nfl so i guess this is my attempt to bring us back to melvin gordon's holdout which is where i thought we were going to start like melvin gordon has consistently proven to be a good producer in the NFL, but um, he may hold out. And honestly, I'm on team pay the man his money. But from a fantasy perspective, do you think there's a big drop off from him to, well, who do you think's next if he did hold out? Oh, God, I don't even know. And this is so appropriate that you bring this up because, of course, I took Melvin Gordon first overall in the league that shall not be named, a.k.a. Voldemort League. I took him first and like of course I get this news like two days later of course our draft takes forever so we're only on pick like two after that so I'm like when do I take Austin Eckler when do mm -hmm. I take Justin Jackson should I even take them you have to look at where they are like in where their salary cap is where he is in his contract I think they're going to God, I hate them. all those variables. I know. It's terrible. It's stupid. I don't, I don't think like any it. of those I don't, matter I don't, at I don't all. Want, I play <laughs> fantasy football. I, I'm not a manager of a real team. I don't care. Point is, yes, pay the man his money, get it over with, and be done. But Jason Moore did bring a very good point up in the Fantasy Footballer's most recent podcast is that they what did, did you brand from like an – I know. It's totally on point. See like that? <laughs> See that? I did. And I like the way you think that in. That was awesome. Just link that right in. Like totally smooth. Like smooth – like uh, like Skippy, I think, as Bruno Mars would say, smoother than a fresh jar of Skippy, I should say. I Anywho, have no idea what that means. But they did make some really good – I'm sorry, not good. They made some really bad decisions, and now you're looking at Melvin Gordon trying to be Le'Veon 2.0. What is going on here? We're afraid of money that's going to be going on with ticket sales. I don't even know. That's too complicated for my brain to handle. Pay the man his money. I think they will. I don't think this is going to be an issue, but let's say it is. Who do you take second? My hands down number one answer to that is going to be Austin Eckler. However, that is a big if they don't pay the man his money. So are you going to be wasting a higher draft pick on Austin Eckler or do you wait for Justin Jackson? I decided to say F it. I'm not taking either one of them. I, I was out. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm out. I don't even want to deal with this because in, my, in our league that shall not be named – Two running bats box, four spots, 
four flex. One of them is a super flex. I have other options that I can play in those positions if Melvin Gordon decides to hold out. Is he going to do a prima donna Le'Veon Bell and hold out the whole year? I don't think so. Is he going to even miss any time? I don't think so. He will probably because he gets hurt randomly, and I'm going to find this out 12.55 before the 1 o'clock game and be effed one game like we were last year. I don't know. But it's not going to have anything to do with his damn salary, so we're going to figure it out. I don't know. My choice would be Austin Eckler. I missed out on both of them, so now I'm stuck with this. And I'm just going to say, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to start somebody else. Whatever. Uh, I actually think that's the right approach. Don't if you have me, Peter. If you have Melvin Gordon, I really don't think you should handcuff him. I, I don't like handcuffs in general. I, I think, think they're a bad strategy. You win when you handcuff Mostly everybody born, else in backups. You know, not to lay it at your door, but I think you redraft folk have poisoned the minds of too many people saying, you know, draft your backups in the last (gasps) round. You dare put this on my shoulders. I do. I'm putting it right on your shoulders. I think it's all your fault. I think it's terrible. Well, Um, I did come up with this myself, so clearly it's my fault. Exactly. You're the industry leader (laughs) on handcuffing running backs. My idea. It was all Lauren's (laughs) idea. And then, yeah, we hate you for it. But I do have some interest in, like, Austin Eckler, I highlighted as when he came into the league he was undrafted free agent but he was incredibly successful receiver and just athletic yes. and i thought it was a player the team could find volume for and he earned it i, I do think players are where volume mostly comes from you know you, you're good yeah. you get focused you're open on the field you get the target i think Eckler proved that draft capital outside of that can really not matter and um, for a team that's honestly looking for the best player to perform um but justin jackson was actually drafted um, I had some interest in him when he came in because he was very productive in college, had a three-down skill set. He's a little undersized, like Eckler, but he was much more of a three-down back He's so spry, for his college though. team. He is so spry. That's one of the things that I like about wow. him. Yeah, he's a little scrappy. I agree. I agree. He's very scrappy. I don't know what it means, but I kind of love the term being applied to an NFL running back. This uh, huge, muscly monster being uh, scrappy is just... Fantastic. But yeah, the team actually drafted him. And I think they drafted him kind of with the intention of someone who could take a workload. But like you say, he, the problem is I had some interest in on before Melvin Gordon said he might hold out. And so like you on the clock, when the news came out, I was like, I don't know. And no one does. No one knows no, where the ADP is going to go after that. My ship had sailed. I saw that. after. Well, no. I was real unhappy when I saw that news. I may or may not have shed a tear. I didn't shed a tear. I just threw stuff. It was fine. If you were looking for a running back that could earn opportunity, what do you look for? Um, it's so many. It's so many things. So what I mean by opportunity is, okay, where are they? Where are they on the depth chart? I mean, how often? Let's say they're second on the depth chart. Okay. So let's say, well, because they're injury prone. I mean, if the person ahead of them is injury prone, I'd probably be more more likely to take that yeah. person to back up if it's late. But what I really like to look at, I, I, I just encompass this into the oppor- in the idea of opportunity. So what opportunity is, I want to see what they did last year, and I want to see what their environment looks the following year. So what did they do last year? Why did that happen last year? What are they facing this coming year, and how is it different, and how will it help them? That could be anywhere from a quarterback change to offensive coordinator change, to head coach change. It could be even their defensive positions that have changed. There's so many things that go into it. That it's that not just doesn't find you anyone, though. Like, uh, not, not to be no, drag- that finds you no one. That didn't find you Austin Eckler. That doesn't find you Chris Carson. That doesn't find you almost anyone. It finds anyone. me Kenyon Drake. It finds me Kenyon Drake. It, it finds me Ken- Oh, wow. Yeah, it finds me Kenyon <laughs> like, Drake. It finds me Chris Herndon. It finds me Dante Moncrief. Like, who... 
did reading what coaches say put you on? Like I've never found that useful. It, they all, they seem to lie. They seem to mistreat, or it just yeah, turns out differently than they yeah. thought. So often that it never seems to help me. Whereas going through the player, like looking at Dante Moncrief, he did have like a a heavy touchdown season once. And the reason I liked him before that was because he was really productive in college. I liked Austin Eckler because he was a really productive receiver. And so like, it doesn't work a lot, but it works more often than what coaches say. So like right. what I'm looking for is some reason to even care about what coaches say or where they put players on the depth chart. Like uh, who, did, who does that get me in the past? No one. Okay. <laughs> Coach speak is garbage. Don't listen to it. Especially if your name is Pete Carroll. Ignore it. Ignore every coach speech. <laughs> Do not listen to anything a coach says in June, July, and August, especially during the regular season. Because you want to know who else is listening? Other coaches. <laughs> Don't listen to coaches. Garbage. Bullshit. Don't do it. Okay. Fair enough. What I want to do is find the guy before he's the guy, right? I just told you how I found the guy right? before he's the guy, but yeah, but then you said ignore all of it. So I'm like, I'm like looking for your secret of when, when you. I'm trying to it. tell you. Listen, young Padawan. Listen, mm. we do not listen to coaches. We can have the coaches give us some guidelines on what they're sort of thinking, and then you take it with a little itty bitty baby grain of salt, and then you throw the whole rest of the batch out. But what I look for is opportunity based on the change of coach, not necessarily what the coach says. So, do they have different coaching that is? different from what they had before are they on a different team what does their new quarterback look like what do their new offensive pieces look like what did their defense run before what did their offense run before how good were they versus this how good were they versus that so there's really no one answer that i can give you to say this is how i find it with this person i'll give you a couple examples though so with dante moncrief what i love so much about him is that he's considered quote a downfield threat he's not he was that for the jacks but when he was in Indianapolis, he actually scored from all over the field. It did not have to be any further than a 20-yard play. It was from the five. It was from the two. It was from the seven. This is what he was able to do. And now when he is in the Steelers camp, OTAs, you have the wide receivers coach and Ben Roethlisberger coming out having nothing but glowing things to say about him. Okay, now that makes me feel a little bit better about Dante Moncrief. Now, what I want to know is, okay, wide receiver one is obviously going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. There's no doubt about that. Well, okay, what did the wide receiver two do? There was only a 0.3 differential between wide receiver one and wide receiver two. That was 24, I believe, 0.9 targets and then 24.6 targets to wide receiver one and wide receiver two. That is a coveted spot. And what does Ben Roethlisberger need now more than ever? It needs trust. He needs chemistry. He's already called out James Washington in the offense last year. He doesn't trust him. He doesn't like how he catches the ball. He needs to learn how to play football, I believe, is part of one of his quotes last year about James Washington. You've got Deontay Johnson coming in as a rookie. Again, with the Steelers, they never use rookies. They don't utilize the rookie. They have no faith in that. They want them to develop into the system. Whatever it is that Mike Tomlin and whatever their faces do doesn't mm -hmm. work. So you have Dante Moncrief coming in as a veteran who is literally one of the oldest people in the locker room while everyone else is flossing and taking selfies. He's like, let's calm down. Let's run the playbook, which is what Ben Loftusberger was so excited about. So you put him into this offense where he has a chance to play all over the field. Who does that sound like? Juju Smith-Schuster. So now you have two of almost the same person. One of them's just a little bit older. One of them already knows the system. That I love that. And he's going so late in the draft. That's how I found that I love Dante Moncrief. There's no coach. There's no 
quarterback. There's no one thing that I can point to that says why I love him so much. It's this combination of different things that go into it. I need a drink after that. That was a lot. Yeah, You're judging me right now, Peter. I'm kidding. Oh, of course I am. I, I, I judge everyone. I'm here to judge. <laughs> Gosh, like... English is so cantankerous. Obviously, I'm, I am. That's the thing. Okay, so Lauren, you're definitely arguing for more of a situation read. And I've had people talk about being more of a situation reader to find opportunity. And yet very few people are able to go to willing to go to the line to actually argue for it when I start asking questions. And you are, so I'm going to try and be a little bit of a dick about it and actually uh, bring you to the line and have a fight. It's first, it's Let's been a while since we had a decent fight. Jake's been gone and everyone else is far too reasonable. So, Well, here I am. I'm like, ready. The comparison I'm going to come up with Moncrief is I think Deshaun Hamilton maybe steps into a similar situation in terms of the, the, the different aspects of the situation that Moncrief is in that you were just talking about, about how he could play all over the field. Some people think that he's more of a slot guy, but he had some deeper targets last year too. Also, there are now... I'm guessing situation like you were talking about with new offensive weapons around them. Hamilton looks better than he did last year. So I think they're slightly different, similar, but um, they have very different profiles to my eyes. Like Moncrief came out um, with an age 18 breakout, which means at the age 18 in college, he actually um, produced over 20% of his teams receiving touchdowns and receiving yards when he was in college. And I think that's significant because about 28% of them drafted in the third round, like Moncrief actually break out to have a top 24 season. Right. Hamilton was drafted in the fourth round with an age 19 breakout, which is higher than I assume because he actually came into the league very late. And that's actually tip typically a bad mark for a player when he stays in the league until he's age 23. So he has a lot lower expectation, even though they're in different uh, states in their career. And I'm really happy to talk about Hamilton because everyone seems to like him. And I haven't found a reason to point out why we shouldn't like him. So I'm going to bring in Hamilton to do it. But I think they're in fairly similar in terms of the, the situation positions that, uh, aspects you were talking about. But Moncrief has proven to be good without the benefit of athleticism at age 18 in college. And Hamilton never was. He was much more of a compiler, never reached the heights of production that he did in college. So reading situations to me doesn't give me an edge for Hamilton over Moncrief. Or, or someone like Devin Funches, who I thought was a better player than most people assumed, but he's going to the Colts, which is definitely a positive situation, a much similar situation to Moncrief. Whereas if you go through, through the team situations, you end up in this quagmire of not being able to decide between one player or the other. So why do you think you can read Indianapolis situation and um, Denver situation and Pittsburgh situation um, and come out on the side of Moncrief overlooking what the player's actually done uh, and valuing Moncrief higher than those guys. I totally agree. That's not <laughs> I'm totally kidding. That is absolute crap. That's All right. Good. Let's go ahead and look at where they were in passing. So that's all, that's all I'm focused on. If I'm going to look at a wide receiver, I want to look at how much volume they are going to be getting in order for me to determine. We all know who wide receiver ones are. There's going to be T.Y. Hilton. There's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, my gosh. You're going to go into a whole other tirade about how Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to get as many targets as everybody thinks. He's not going to absorb a whole bunch of A.B.'s targets. He's not a downfield threat. His reception perception is terrible with that. He does not create separation downfield. He lives in the slot. Anyway, I digress. None of that matters. But None of that matters. My point is... In in this situation, when I was talking about before, that it's a whole conglomeration of things that you look at. It's coaching changes. It's opportunity. Part of this opportunity is Ben Roethlisberger. They passed, I think it was 657 times. That is the most in the league. I think by like 80. 80, don't quote me. I don't know, somewhere around there. But they throw a lot. So they're going to be throwing, throwing, throwing. And they still don't have Le'Veon Bell. He gone. He is not there anymore. They have James Conner. Yes, James Conner is incredibly talented. 
They've got Jalen Samuels. Yes, he's half a tight end. I get that too. He's going to be involved in the passing game as well. But like I said before, when you're talking about target distribution, that Ben Roethlisberger is basically the head coach. Sorry, sorry, Tomlin. Don't know if you're listening to this, but I'm not really trying to insult you. Literally, it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation with Matt LaFleur. Who's really the head coach here? Probably Ben Roethlisberger. He's the one who's going to decide where he throws the ball. That's why I like Dante Moncrief. And I'm not saying Deshaun Hamilton isn't going to have opportunity. He probably will. I just gravitate towards that a little bit more because of the passing game with Ben Roethlisberger. Well, again, what's what's the difference between that and Andrew Luck and the Colts? Well, that's a good point. And when you think about that, why that's do you think Ben Roethlisberger has been so good? I don't think he threw 677 oh, times or whatever line. because of his offensive line or... I, I think if he has Deshaun Hamilton and, you know, bum from nowhere, he doesn't throw nearly that amount of times. You don't get to throw that amount of times unless you have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster catching first downs because they're really, really, really good at football. Well, like, you don't get to throw that many times. You can't decide to throw that many times. Devin, I love you want to. I love like ben, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger can make, you know, Cole Beasley, Antonio Brown. I think Antonio Brown is really good at football. I think that's why they threw. Who the hell ever said that Cole Beasley was ever going to be Antonio well, Brown? What are you drinking? Well, that's my point, hell though. If the no. volume comes from the quality of the player, then you can't say the quality of quarterback is going to create volume for Dante Moncrief. It's about it who Dante Moncrief is. But isn't it both? Isn't it both about the quality? Yeah, it's symbiotic. But which would you rather follow, the quality of the player or the quality both. of the quarterback? Because you both. were just you were just reading the situation from quarterbacks and passing attempts last yes. year. Yes, in the argument of why I like this particular wide receiver in this offense. Let's say it was a different wide receiver. Let's say it was Devin Funches. And Devin Funches was in the Moncrief position. I would not draft Devin Funches. He's not Dante Moncrief. I don't care if they're in the same, quote, wide receiver two position. I do not like him as much. Sorry. Well, again, so being in similar situations, why, why would you even care about the quarterback or the passing attempts from last year, if that's the case? If it's Moncrief over Funches, which I agree with broadly, why does the quarterback matter? Why do we count something twice? Like Moncrief is better than Funches, so we like Moncrief. Why would you give him an extra boost because of, you know, quarterback X and offense X? Okay, well, what if his quarterback was Lamar Jackson? What if? He'd be garbage! Well, I tell you what, what if Antonio Brown's quarterback you, you was have, someone you terrible have like Derek Carr? quarterback that loves to pass. You have a quarterback that loves to pass the ball. So therefore, you're going to have wide receivers that are going to get the targets and the volume. He doesn't love to pass the ball. He gets to pass the ball a lot because his receivers are really good. He, he also let me on Bell like a freaking and tree. Antonio Brown. That's why his legs are two giant oak trees that have no knees. They don't bend. He stomps around like the Ent from the Lord of the Rings. Let's be honest. The man does not have moves. He don't move fast. So yeah, he has to pass the ball. There's no other option. None. So yeah, it does depend on your quarterback. He is not very fast. Doesn't depend on the quarterback. <laughs> Doesn't it depend on all of those things? Of course, it depends on all of those. But what's more telling, the, the player or the okay, quarterback? Okay, would you rather? Would you rather? Okay, so you still take Dante Moncrief and you Smith-Schuster. You're valuing them. You would tell. You would still take Juju Smith-Schuster and Dante Moncrief if they were the wide receiver one and wide receiver two for Baltimore. With Lamar Creek, no, because he's never done it before. But I would be interested in him where his ADP is right now. But Juju Smith, I'll put it this way I'm still on Antonio Brown being a top five wide receiver. I, I'm I don't not care either. that he's got Derek Carr. I don't give a crap. I, I he is, He's my bus candidate in one of my so latest why would you articles. Use it to argue for Moncrief. Surely it's something about Moncrief. No, I said Lamar Jackson. Listen, you. I said it was Lamar <laughs> Jackson. Whatever. 
Peter. Peter Pettigrew, you're grounded. You see, I think I win when you devolve into insulting me with Harry Potter names. Whatever, my family's English too. <laughs> Get over it. You're not that special. I'm not special at all, but I, I do I do think the volume comes from the quality of the player, not the quality of the quarterback. I agree with both. I think it has to do with both because you're absolutely right on both sides. You have to have a good quality receiver. You also have somebody with quality to pass the ball. Let's take a look at Blake. You Bortles. don't have to have someone with quality, though. You just need someone who Blake can Bortles hit a player when they're open. And that's Andy Dalton. That's Andy Dalton and AJ Green. You don't need Ben Roethlisberger. How did Andy Dalton do last year? How did AJ Green do when he was on the field? How did Tyler Boyd do when he was on the field? If it's a good player, it doesn't matter. But, that's my point. All right. Well, what if Blake Bortles was their quarterback? You think they would have done any better? I know. How How did Alan Robinson do? Yeah, he did all right. Maybe with the Bears how, now. How, how about Didi Westbrook and uh, the train that we are now both on? Yeah, yeah, so, I know. But I, I, well, hold on. <laughs> I thought it didn't matter who the quarterback was. So why are you on the Cleveland Cole train and the Didi Westbrook train if you don't care who the quarterback is? So I am. You shouldn't be worried about it. I am it. on the Keelan but Cole it's, it's, train. I, but why? Um, so because of something great. they've done. I, I think yeah, the fact that <laughs> I think the fact that Keelan Cole came in and caught 700 yards as an undrafted free agent rookie is an incredibly positive sign. So why is it such a change this year as opposed to last year? What changed? What changed? I, I have no change. I liked him last year. I liked oh, him okay. Year. I see where you're going with this. Okay. So they're, they don't have any upgrade this year from last year. No, I don't, I don't upgrade him anymore. But even though you just said it's called a train. So why is it a train now like it, it, it was a train last year i'm happy to welcome so you so on board like it's nice you turned up it's like, a train you needed the quarterback just rob the bank and we're just gonna hop on it are we it's riding just... horses down the down like the <laughs> abandoned highway of railway and we're gonna have to like fight off like westerners i don't no, know but, where i just made that up yes we're like, gonna do all of that because it sounds like hell of fun and we're obviously gonna do all i'm really of good at writing after the show in the meantime i'm really good at writing King cole was a good prospect last year he didn't need nick Foles to make him an interesting prospect he, yeah he, apparently he did because he did garbage no, he last year what he did, he did garbage, garbage last yeah. year but he did but pretty like great with Blake Bortles like the year before with I, made that up. I don't know that for sure. I totally made that up. Don't quote me. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I even heard you because I was talking too much as I normally do. Well, well yeah, I just I, I'm going to talk more than you. See what? And maybe this is. <laughs> I don't think this is a dynasty thing. I think this is a trying to get on a player before everyone else is on it thing. And I think going through what a player does and a player accomplishes gets you there better more often more accurately which is still pathetically accurately than caring about the quarterback or the situation of the passing and i see what you're trying to say but my argument against that is i literally just wrote this article that should be dropping sometime this week about keelan cole and dd westbrook and it looked at their new offensive coordinator and why this is so important is because john Filippo was the offensive coordinator for the eagles in 2017 when they had their super bowl i'm sorry not offensive coordinator he was the quarterbacks coach for nick Foles. now yes. he is the offensive coordinator for the jags so he that was one of the catalysts of bringing nick Foles onto the jaguars now the reason why this makes dd westbrook and keelan cole so important and not marquise lee which is another wide receiver we have not brought up yet on the jags is because i don't think is going to play this year to be fair but it, that's also a possibility but let's say hypothetically he does nick Foles, out of 195 pass attempts last year only had 29 past the 20 yard mark and out of those 29 he only had 10 completions i think five of those three i think five were touchdowns he's not a deep passer so his his entire bread and butter comes from inside tight which are the tight end positions guess what there's no zach Ertz on the jack so that's out so it comes from the slot and the outside specifically right outside and inside left slot. And eh, 
left outside kind of does well too. Well, who encompasses those positions? That's D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole, as long as they stay within the line of scrimmage and the 20-yard mark. So that's the quarterback, which makes a difference there before those wide receivers, as opposed to Marquise Lee, let's say he's there. Now, the other half of that is John Filippo, who is now the offensive coordinator. He knows Nick Foles. So he is going to be scheming offenses and scheming how he's going to be pushing the football down the field based on what he knows his quarterback is capable of doing and what he knows his quarterback is good at because he has history with him. So that's why I think the offensive coordinator position is also very important for both the quarterback and these wide receivers. Again, there's no tight end position like a Zacherts on there. And where did John Filippo just come from? He came from the Vikings who just made Adam Thielen a freaking thing who is a beast on his own right. I totally get that. Okay, but I was letting you talk. They didn't make Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen made Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is amazing. Sorry, but, uh, they didn't make him. He never relied on Calvin Cook. Literally, sixty per, I think sixty-four percent of I think it was sixty-four percent of his plays were passing plays when Dalvin Cook was still healthy. They did not rely on the passing game. Or, I'm sorry, the run game, which is why he got fired. Because Mike Zimmer was pissed. He's like, "Get out of here. We need to run the football more." Yes, Adam Thielen's amazing. Trust me, I had him on my league. I love him. He is. Oh, I'm, I worship thee. I love Adam Thielen. Plus, he's super cute. So I like him for that too. <laughs> but I'm just saying you're combining an offensive coordinator who knows his quarterback, who knows where his bread and butter is. Now you have to look at who is going to get all these targets. Where are they going to go? Now, if you're talking about crap wide receivers, I don't really know if I'd be that excited about that. D.D. Westbrook is good. Keelan Cole is good. They're going to have this opportunity. So why not combine all of those things to create that opportunity to make it happen? I also like the Browns for the exact same reason. Opportunity based on all of those things we talked about. Sorry, I just brought it back to the middle. I agree in both his. No, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. I just, I just disagree entirely. You just want to be. Let's be honest. No, I don't think. I don't think that the offensive coordinator is going to walk in and create targets. I don't think he can create targets because it depends on how successful the wide receivers are, which brings it back to R. Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook. Good. Like those are the guys who are going to create all of those things. Offensive coordinator doesn't matter. He can decide the split much more than anything. All of those things. All of those things. You can't just agree with me. And then, you know, I'm actually disagreeing disagree with you. All of the. I, how no, you, you can't spend 10 minutes oh, disagreeing we, with me and then just, say also the thing you said. Can we just take, like, I, what? I, oh, I'm, I, if I could reach through this computer and smack you, I would. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. saying that it's both the coaching and the quarterback and the wide receivers and the opportunity. That is involved with all of those things put together, create what I want to target in an offense. How is that neither disagreeing nor agreeing? I don't know. You guys decide. You tell us. I don't know. He's confusing me, but I will not stand here and let you take advantage. I think I'm here I, to be stalwart. I think including those in your evaluation or your situational read just leads you to too many wrong players. I think it puts you on Deshaun Hamilton. I think it puts you on Kiki Kute. I think it puts Which you I'm on, on players. I'm on neither of them, by the way. Okay. I'm trying to find one that you are that that I hate. Just keep shooting. <laughs> shoot in the dark. Keep <laughs> I'll tell you if you hit. Robbie Anderson, I think Love I like Robbie less than most. Do you like Robbie Anderson? I do like Robbie Anderson. But okay, there you go. Not as not. <laughs> I think it puts you on Robbie Anderson. <laughs> I don't like him consistently. He's not one of those consistent guys, but I like him as a deep threat. I want to compare him a little bit to the Deshaun Jackson of the Eagles. I like that comparison. So if you can flex him in the right um, against the right defense, I think you can win your week with something like that. But I like Robbie Anderson for that role. I hate him as a person. He's kind of a garbage human being, but. 
I like right. him in fantasy football. Um, that, that's an awkward situation for me because he actually measures fairly well compared to past breakouts. But how about Marquez van der Scatling? <laughs> you, you into the Green I Bay narrative? I have no too? idea what to do with Green Bay. I am not even going to touch that. Like, I don't care about your 10-foot pole. Give me, like, a 50-foot one. I'm staying as far away as possible. I mean, obviously, besides Devontae Adams, who is pretty clear, I don't know. Like, Aaron Rodgers is pretty forthcoming and he's generally not one to really BS that much. And it just seems like every week is something else. I've heard that he really likes um, Marquez Valdez Gantling. Like MVS seems to be like his go-to right now, but it's freaking July. Who the heck knows? I have no idea who is going to be the upcoming wide receiver too. In fact, I think it could be all of them, which means I want no part of any of that. How about uh, Robert Foster? I'm just kind of fishing here. Uh, I don't like the, I don't like the Bills. God, it's just too easy not to like Dave Bills. Jones is kind of like, mm, eh. But I mean, it's Josh Allen. He doesn't throw. He's kind of like Lamar Jackson. Plus, there's like 300 running backs on that team. So, I don't know. They're, they're you got to find someone you, you like that I don't like. <laughs> we can conclude this argument with. This is this okay. isn't working for me. <laughs> Paris Campbell. But he's a rookie. Uh, it's not really the same thing. I mean, I like I like Tavarius Thomas. A lot. Right. Well, we've been through that. I kind of oh, like, I like that, that yeah. bit. Yeah, I like to wear Thomas. Okay. I can only think of rookies. I'm way too rookie sounded. I'm like, David Moore. David Moore will rescue me. No. no. I do like David Moore, too. <sighs> Damn it, Lauren. <laughs> Could you come to a different conclusion? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, look at it this way. If we're getting to the same players and I'm only having to look at, at two things and you're looking at 50, then you shouldn't be having to look at 50. Maybe that's that's the secret. You're looking at a whole bunch of stuff. Maybe. And you you're tiring yourself me. out. Like, I worry for your, for your health here, Lauren. No, you're I, I'm, you're I'm doing gonna, too much work. You don't need over. to do that much work. I'm not going to be overcome with the vapors or like, I'm not a delicate <laughs> lotus blossom. Okay. Nice. I'm okay. Nice. Thank yeah. You. That was, that was a Let me cover up my ankles. Obviously. They're very scandalous. <laughs> Jesus. I can't come back from that. You compared it. Uh, you, yeah. you suggested that it was about your gender rather than me just okay. trying to troll. I'm for I declare defeat. I finally declare defeat. <laughs> I, I, I'm in it. Speaking of getting the vapors or other sexist sentiments, I want to ask, because obviously I have no idea, what's it like being a woman in the fantasy football space? Oh my God, that, thank you for asking me that. I actually really appreciate it. Okay, so it is interesting being a chick in fantasy football. I love it, okay, because I have some really good friends who are also in the fantasy football industry that I've never met in person, but because we can connect, it is literally one of the coolest things ever. And as a, as a woman, and I, I know this is going to sound so like 1950s, and I swear to God, that's not really where I'm trying to go for this. Unless you like work at like women's lingerie, like you literally are working in a male dominated environment, no matter where you go. So when you're coming into fantasy football, it's not as judgmental as I thought it was going to be. There is so much encouragement and enthusiasm and that idea of arguing, like just what we just did, but having respect for one another's arguments is actually lost in so many other places besides fantasy football. Because they really want to try to kick back and be like, no, but this, no, but this, no, but this. And you can have a healthy debate and a healthy argument because you're talking about fantasy football. So you're literally talking about educated guessing. And it kind of puts people on an even playing field and there have been a handful of people who have been just righteous a-holes that you just kind of dismiss and you just don't let them in your lives. I mean, just leave it alone because there's going to be people like that no matter what. But this has really been such an amazing experience, both connecting with other women who are in the industry, but also connecting with guys and just having it be genderless. It's, it's, it's awesome 
to have that community that I really, I'm 35 I've, and I've been in several different industries and different companies and I've never experienced anything quite like fantasy football before where it's very inclusive. It's just picking your brain for your knowledge, not because of what you look like, not your pedigree, not your background, nothing. It's just, it makes sense to people what you say. And that is incredibly important because that does it create, I'm sorry, create equality, which is what we're all looking for, no matter who we are. Then, you know, women, men, black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. We all want to be treated on an even playing field. And that's one of the things I love so much about fantasy football is that I've felt that from day one. I'm really glad to hear that. I would say. Except for you. You're a jerk. Yeah, I am. Really am. <laughs> but the thing, though, like I think some people worry about, like I'm an online jerk. I, I try to be a little bit of a jerk because it, I mean, it, it, it makes it a little bit fun. You've got to have someone to argue with. And if someone isn't a little bit of a jerk, it's less easy to argue with them, I think. Like not like if someone just a little bit makes it easier to disagree with. Like then you feel. So I'm happy to do that. I didn't. I don't. In my online world, I get very few messages are like disturbing, and I just leave in the requests and don't respond to. Like I pretty much respond to literally everything I see at least. Right. Yeah. doing that but like my wife um is a writer she's a popular writer but she gets like five or six messages from what are clearly trollish oh, slash awful editorial accounts like on a daily basis and i've had maybe two that seemed a little off like random hey how are you we should talk like two in like two years and she oh, gets no, i get that a lot like is there something like that, that I w- wouldn't know of. I just, I'm not getting those messages. That's that's a really good point. I actually do get those a lot, but that you that's have That's just to, a woman on social it, media, it, right? It is. Apparently. It, it is. I mean, it is. It doesn't, that sounds so, I don't know. It, it's reality that that's exactly what it is. I ignore them, blocked. You're not going to even be coming at my way anymore. Not even a problem because whatever, I don't, I don't let any of that stuff right. in my life. But yeah, when you're a woman, you kind of are, I don't want to say vulnerable because I'm not a vulnerable person. I don't think your wife is either, but like right. people will, will try to come at you with this. And like, it's kind of like the same thing when you're walking down the street and somebody whistles at you and you're like, does that ever really work? Like, right. no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like right. because um, it's not going to work with me. So, okay. <laughs> me like two construction <laughs> workers whistle at you when you're walking down the street, Peter. Cause I get very few whistles at all, to be honest. Well, um, okay. <laughs> like I worry like in this space I'm having a lot of fun I've met nothing but sensible people but you always know there's an undercurrent and so I worry about it like in this space I want to be what I am in regular life at least on that side of it like a right. like a reasonable human being who is an ally and whatever else I mean reasonable so is like but go ahead like you mentioned a little bit but not much in the fantasy world honestly like I like, I hope not, but no, if it no. is, I want to know about it. There's always going to be a hint, no matter what you're doing, there's going to be people that are going to, I would think that I love the most is it's just like, oh, well, you're a girl. What do you know about football? You've never played the sport. My biggest question is- Me neither, to be fair. <laughs> Did you play? Like, I don't know. I played sports my whole life. Just because I didn't play football doesn't mean I don't know about sports and don't understand the whole concept of it. Whatever. But in right. fantasy football, I have never- really come across somebody who was so adamant about the fact that I was just a woman loving fantasy football that they completely ignored me or whatever. I can't, but I know some people who have. They're they're outspoken. They're very gregarious. I totally love it. I get it. But I just ignore those people and let them go. But it's been very few and far between. And it's so nice to have that inclusion and to be just just one of the people, like one of the guys, one of whatever. You just you you love what you're doing. And again, it's all about assessing 
looking at what we're looking at, arguing about the same stuff we're arguing. It doesn't matter who you are. What matters is how much you love the game and how much you love to watch it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I probably should get going here in about five minutes, though. All right. Uh, we're going to have to get out of here because this podcast is going to get nowhere near 30 minutes. It's going to be longer because I want to keep all of it. And we're going to keep all of it. So that's the end of that. Because Jake's not around. So I get to run a muck. But before you go, Sorry, I wanted Jake, to ask. You're dead. Other than the very professional, after you said that, um, plugs <laughs> that you managed to fit in. Is there anyone, uh, like, how can people find you? What have you got coming out that they need to go check out? You guys can all find me on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, on YouTube. You find me at Stepmom Lauren. My name is L-A-U-R-E-N. I write for the Fantasy Footballers and I have uh, articles that come out. Off season is three times a month. During the regular season is four times a month. I will also be putting out a weekly video starting during the regular season. I also write for the Fake Pigskin and I also hang out with the Fantasy Whispers as well as hanging out with the Ball Blast girls, Kate and Michelle. Just find me on social media at Stepmom Lauren. I'll tell you exactly where to go. And next week, I'm going to be debuting my website, stepmomlauren.com. And by the yeah. way, it was, it was just like, okay, hanging out with you, Peter. I mean, like, I guess I'll come back on if you really want me. I mean, no, I follow Lauren at Stepmom, stepmom Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. You know, I got stepkids. So therefore, I'm a stepmom. I'm a wife, stepmom, business owner, fantasy writer. I do it all, Peter. Just saying they don't do fare all. well in fairy tales. Um, but no, follow Lauren <laughs> at Stepmom Lauren on Twitter. She has an argument. She has a perspective. She's really interesting. She's really smart. And frankly, that's about as fun as this gets. So check her out. And <laughs> um, thanks for listening. If you did, if you didn't, you didn't hear me. So, you know, I can say what I like about you. And I will. But thanks, everyone. See you later. Woo! Peter Pettigrew, you're grounded. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Jake got that eye, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. And by the way, it was just like, okay, hanging out with you, Peter. I mean, like, I guess I'll come back on if you really want me. I mean. I, what? I, oh, I'm, I, if I could reach through this computer and smack you, I would.